you're a Delta SkyMiles Platinum Business American Express card member, you'll know a thing or two about an expertly packed capsule wardrobe that balances business and leisure. So you can go from conference sleek to cocktail party chic with a few new accessories. You can hustle from 9 to 5 before exploring with ease from 5 to 9. Because you're the chief excursion officer. The Delta SkyMiles Platinum Business American Express card. If you travel, you know. Learn more at go.amex slash you know business. Here's an HIV pill dilemma for you. Picture the scene. There's a rooftop sunset with fairy lights and you're vibing with friends. You remember you've got to take your HIV pill. Important, yes, but the fun moment is gone. Did you know there's a long-acting treatment option available? So catch the sunset and keep the party going. Visit PillFreeHIV.com today to learn more. Brought to you by Vive Healthcare. Ladies, ladies, ladies. Hello. Hello. It feels so good to hear you say ladies. Listen, listen. I'm Sam Sanders. I'm Saeed Jones. And I'm Zach Safford. And you are listening to Vibe Check. Listeners might not know, the last few episodes you heard of Vibe Check were recorded well in advance of the holidays. So this is our first official recording of Vibe Check in the new year. And I can already tell that we are blessed and highly favored. (laughs) Hello, my sisters. How are you? We are. We're good, even though Sam, you and I are trying to survive the great flood of California right now. (laughs) Sounds terribly inconvenient. It is pretty bad. <laughs> we are waiting for the ARC here in Los Angeles. What is happening? <laughs> we are. It's been, I mean, just torrential historic floods, rain. My gym is shut down. The roof came What? In. Yeah. Oh, it, like, wow. We it last night. And um, we are, a lot of us are going there later today to help clean up. So oh it's my like God. a whole, it like wow. really feels, I don't know anyone personally super damaged, just lots of property damage. Yeah. But this rain is crazy and the LA River is overflowing, which is funny because the LA River, as people who live in LA know, it's a drainage exist. pipe. It's There's a drainage there. pipe. Yeah. <laughs> like it's like concrete wow. and cement. I will yeah. say the terminology given to all of this crazy weather just keeps getting funkier and funkier. Like yeah, because this, this is, I looked it up, it said atmospheric river. Yeah. Which is pretty intense. Like, there's a river in the there's sky, some reading rainbow. Yes. <laughs> I have taken to calling it the atmospheric aduken. But <laughs> <laughs> well, what's it like in your daily experience? It just like, it just started raining like a couple of weeks ago and it hasn't stopped or, or that. what? It feels like depression realized. <laughs> That's what it feels like. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Like physicalized. It's just you like, said the air is sad. It's sad. Like even this morning, I like I'm looking out a window right now. I just now can see my neighbor's building because it was so foggy. And that's the thing is that like wow. LA is always beautiful. It doesn't mm-hmm. rain. Nothing happens. So to have this much weather for LA, the girls are shaking. And no yes. one, no one could drive before. Listen, it's every driver in LA is too fast, too furious when it's dry and sunny. Mm-hmm. Right now, I drove three minutes down the road last night to go see Megan at the movie theater, and I was scared for those two miles. I was like, people can't drive in this. <laughs> also, yes. the saddest wow. part, anywho, you have heard the vibe of Zach and I. It is rainy and depressive. Said, how are you in Ohio? Sunny Ohio? <laughs> 
It's it's not sunny. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually odd when I first got back to Columbus from Mexico. It was only like a five to eight degree temperature difference. Oh, I wow. mean, it was so surreal. Of course, over the holidays, Christmas, New Year's, you know, this epic winter polar vortex that impacted yeah. everyone. It was like negative, however many degrees in Columbus and all, you know, snow and everything was happening. But then by the time I got back here, it was literally like 60 degrees. I saw someone in shorts. I was like, I don't know. I, I, I feel like that's kind of the point of climate change. It's not just one mm-hmm. kind of change. It's that everything is weird. Yes. Um, but, you know, today is, I don't know, it's in the 40s. I'm fine. I've been thinking a lot about Zach and the way you said, you know, you want to embrace 2023 as the year of maybe. Yeah. Snaps Often, to that. Yeah. And it's, it's taken, I've been, I've been thinking about it because okay. I think I, I value decisiveness. I, I, I value respond to the strong emotion. And if you don't have a strong emotion, something's wrong. If you're uncertain, something's wrong. And I don't know, getting into the rhythm of the new year, I don't feel like a charging ahead. Let's go. Let's, you know, I'm just like, one step at a time. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Thank you for saying that. And I want to say thank you to everyone that's tagged me, written to me about maybe. Thank you, NPR, for covering it. Yeah. But to your point, Said, I just want to shout out one person. Her name is Tamira Cousset. She posted on Instagram this really beautiful piece about maybe, and she listens to the show, and she's saying that her year's also about maybe, and this is why, and I think it connects to what you're saying. She says, over the years, dealing in the absolutes of yes and no have often stretched me beyond my limits. I want to be in the messy aliveness of the maybe, where there's an open possibility and more space to pause, reflect, and discern what my limits are in any given moment. And that was better said than what I said. <laughs> so thank That's you to me. But you said That's it very beautiful. well. You did. Thank you. Before we we jump in. We want to tell you what the show's about. It's not just about maybe. It's about Brazil and the political riots that you saw on social media that felt very familiar to a day a few years ago on January 6th. And we're going to kind of connect those and give you a little look into our psychic balls and show you what the next few years will look like here in America and across the world. And we also, because we are gay and we support queer films, we have to discuss Megan, which is maybe the gayest thing that has come out <laughs> Although, in the past year. Although, was there an actual <laughs> out gay character in the film? I mean, come on, girl. It's got a dancing doll. It's camp. Dancing, no, but I'm yeah, saying, like, there was no gay plot line. I think the existence of a dancing doll that can murder yeah, people like, I'm like, come is on, a gay Sam. plot line. So I'm that's like, what sister we're girl was about. taking time to like hit the walk before she full on slash somebody. Like, come on now. So we're going to break that down, but we're also going to talk about the larger themes of the year that yes. horror is here to stay. And why is that? Thank we, goodness. We have some answers for that. Yeah. We want to thank all of you. Oh my gosh, the emails. I got really emotional. It was like, I just got back. It was the best thing ever. After the holidays, you finally open your email inbox and you're like, okay, here we go. You know what I mean? And you're waiting for all hell to break loose. And one of the first emails I saw was a collection of notes that all of you had sent over the winter holidays thanking us, thanking us for what we've shared and what you've been learning and like the the determinations and the, the maybe, you know, that you're taking into the new year. And I was just so moved. And we've talked a lot about it amongst the three of us. So thank you. It, it means a great deal to know that we're not just talking into the void, that this really is a dialogue we're getting to have with yeah. all of you. And of course, you can, you know, reach out to us on social media as well. You can email us at vibecheck at Stitcher. Let's jump in, shall we? Let's jump in. (laughs) 
As this year begins, it feels like American politics and global politics as well is stuck in this very Trumpian place. It feels like all over the world right now, we are living out the long tail of Donald Trump. And I'm going to give you two examples to make this case. Uh, First, Brazil just had a Trump-style insurrection, their own January 6th, in the month of January. And on top of that, Kevin McCarthy took almost a week and 15 separate votes to become Speaker of the U.S. House. And a good chunk of the Republicans who caused this standstill were diehard Trump supporters who still think Trump won the last election. And it just seems like when you look at both of those stories, you can feel and see the after effects of Donald Trump and his style of politics even years after he has been out of office. So I guess to start, first question for you both, and it's kind of two, it's like, is 2023 going to be the year of the long tail of Trump? And if so, why? I think it is the year of the long tail of Trump, but I do think it is the beginnings of the great lie of Trumpism. Like you're going to see it, how it governs. And I think with Donald Trump, you know, when he was president and the president, you know, still operates within a typical American government system. There's a few branches or checks and balances. And he spent many years eroding it and changing it, filling new federal judge positions, all this stuff. So now we've seen after the stage has been set with full Trump power, Trump ideas, Trump beliefs, philosophies, now we're going to see how it governs at its bigger capacity against the Joe Biden and the House, at least. And I think it's going to crumble. It's a big house of cards. And we saw that with yeah. McCarthy. Well, this is the thing. There's no actual governing. When exactly. you unpack what these diehard Trumpers wanted from McCarthy to give him their votes for speaker, all the concessions they were asking for were just things to kind of pump the brakes on actual governing and getting bills passed. You know, the concessions are insane. They changed the rules to allow just one member of the House the ability to bring up a motion to throw out the speaker. They put more hardline conservatives on key committees. They would make spending bills, which keep the government open. They broke them down. So no more big omnibus spending bills. They would fund the government through something like a dozen different smaller bills, which means we're more likely to see government funding just not get passed. In every way, it seems as if, at least in America, the Trump way to govern is to make it harder to govern. And we're seeing the same thing in Brazil. You know, the Trump style of politics wants to destroy the capital, stop governing, not respect the results of elections. Mm-hmm. I guess I want to push back a little bit, and I have two reasons for this. I mean, yeah. well, broadly, I guess I want to push back in that. I never want to give Trump too much credit. We, you know, and and that's what he wants. Trump wants us to make him the framework for how we talk about everything. And so I I try to resist that. So in, in terms of the House, my pushback there is, yes, obviously Trump was, you know, a huge influence on what's going on. But also, this is almost a decade in the making. It goes back to the Freedom Caucus and the Tea Party, which, yeah. I mean, that that's like over a decade in yeah. the making. And it was very interesting to see Kevin McCarthy, who was the beginning of that kind of so-called movement. Yeah. Whether he was a young he was doing, gun. 
Young Gun mm-hmm. with what was it, Eric Cantor and Paul Ryan? They wrote a book yeah. together. Yeah. Um, you know, like kind of bring it. And now it's kind of like he's now reaping what he sowed over a decade ago, right? Where it got away from him. But also, I think internationally, when we look, of course, to Bolsonaro in Brazil, I would also say, I mean, we can look to the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can look like France is on thin ice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> thin yeah. ice, you know, when it comes to mm-hmm. fascism. We can look to um, Italy, their girl boss, new fascist leader. You know, I think it's. I- I forgot they just elected a fascist. Yeah, totally yeah. forgot to talk yeah. about that. And so, yeah. so to me, it's kind of like Trump is obviously a key player in what's going yeah. on. But I think, you know, American exceptionalism kind of unduly influences how we perceive this. And I think it's more like fascism. It seems like it's like a global echo chamber. Maybe mm-hmm. it's less that Trump is directly influencing politics in other countries more that they're like pinging back and forth. Yeah, I mean, there were times throughout Trump's presidency where I was like, God, it feels like he's taking notes from Mussolini, from other, Uh you know, really just, you know, like misinformation, all this kind of stuff. So maybe we're seeing the kind of bounce back and forth from people who just crave power. Yeah. I love what you're saying because it's taking me back to a complicated memory of I was in New York in 2018 at Adweek which is the big summit of all the big advertisers yeah. and all this blah, 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 blah. And I was sent there because I had to do a bunch of talking stuff. And I was in a talk and one of the heads of Hulu, and I'm going to be messy about this because this is <laughs> public. Do it. Gave this whole little speech at a private-ish lunch I was at where he called Trump the chief marketing officer of America and was kind of <laughs> praising him and saying like, oh, he's really good at marketing. And I was so pissed at the time. Mm. I was like, that is so dangerous for you to just say it's marketing, blah, 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 blah. But- what Saeed is saying kind of connects to this, that Trump is kind of the CMO of fascism. And he's kind of rebranded it without <laughs> Not realizing. the CMO of fascism. <laughs> no. Not the CMO wow. of fascism. He's the CMO wow. of fascism. And wow. he has taken credit for all these big things that were already in motion and branded yeah. them. And that's what we're dealing with now. Because like, it's an ecosystem. Yeah. Right? It's like everyone is, okay, all right. That's and, a I mean, That's a story. You know, <laughs> I definitely hear all that. You know, we are seeing a decline in trust of institutions we used to trust. We're seeing a rise of autocrats and fascists. And it is happening everywhere, everything, all at once. But there's some of this stuff where you're just like, man, it feels really mm-hmm. similar. When yeah. you compare the facts of the insurrection in Brazil versus mm-hmm. America, literally in Brazil, they also stormed the capital. Mm -hmm. trashed the offices. They stole stuff from inside. They tried to set fire to the carpet. There was blood, feces, and urine found in the royal palace rooms. You're just like, I don't know who started it, but man, like the echoes are crazy. And on top of it, guess who is in in Florida right now? Right. Bolsonaro, where Trump is too. Oh my goodness, it's wild. And then guess who was the deciding vote that made McCarthy the speaker who is the bridge between our two countries right now? George Santos from New York. (laughs) Uh, with his alleged Brazil connection. I I can't even keep up. What we do know is that he's a criminal in Brazil. So there's that. (laughs) You can't go back there. But what I think what I'm feeling with all of this is the closeness of it all. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of like, Saeed, you Mm -hmm. talked about this in the anti-Semitism episode. And we've talked about it a lot is that, you know, a lot of these issues we're dealing with in the country aren't far off. They're next door. They're in your family. They're near you. And they can pop off at any second. And I think it's not a coincidence that, you know, Brazil sees people storming their capital right after we see our own capital stormed. It's not a coincidence that one of the most high-profile, newly elected congressmen 
has Brazil connections, is a criminal in both. There's something happening between right. all these that's bringing us into the forefront of it. Yeah. And I think, and what I'm going to be watching this entire year as this style of politics continues to take root all over the world, what I think we're going to see across the board is an increasing inability to govern. We're mm-hmm. already seeing now in the concessions that McCarthy has given to certain House members, there's already speculation and discussion about an inability to fund the government this year. And folks are saying, get ready for some shutdowns. Just the fact that they screwed with the way that these spending bills get passed, it's really hard to overstate what happens when you break an omnibus spending bill into 12 separate bills. Mm -hmm. That gives the House 12 more times to argue, 12 12 more opportunities for dysfunction. The government will just be jammed up, you know? Mm -hmm. In the Mm -hmm. same way in Brazil, once you have an insurrection like that, once you have that kind of bold display of distrust of the government itself, how can they govern? It's going to be that much harder to get anything done. And this is what's so frustrating about the Trumpism or the fascism or the autocracy. There's a lot of smoke and signaling and sound and fury, but in actuality, they just make it hard to get even the basics done. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the lessons here is this is why it is so important to be a humble but ambitious and curious student of history Mm -hmm. and to listen to people who are. Mm -hmm. Because when you open that door, really, let's go back to 2014 Mm. when Trump is still doing the birther stuff. And like, Mm -hmm. let's say just in U.S. media, a lot of people are taking it as a joke and a stunt and it's a great way to fill time on CNN because he's always willing to do press conference. It's like, look, you need to pay attention to people who are going, "Uh -uh uh-uh-uh, this is going to lead us down a bad road. First of all, this is racist. Yeah. He's questioning democracy. He's like, it's the roots of all of this. And you never know what's going to come trailing in there because like politics and ideology is energy. Energy cannot be created nor destroyed. So even though Trump right. is no longer in office, that energy, an election, yeah, yeah. it's not a reset. It's not, yeah. and, and look, t- talk, look at Kevin McCarthy, baby. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. winning an election, voting someone out of an election. It's not just going to stop whatever transpired during the previous terms. And so even though Trump is no longer in office, it makes me think of the artist Lorraine O'Grady, who said, in the future, racism won't even need white people or maybe white supremacists won't even need white people. It's kind of like Trump's ideology, this fascism. He doesn't even need to be in the room anymore because, well, because we just he's got Marjorie go Taylor Greene but on the cell phone Hello? in the chamber. Uh-huh. I just can't even. It is so wild to me to see it, but it's also this reminder about politics. Politicians don't change. They're going to be who they are. And this expectation that the hardcore Trumpies would get better or that Trump would get better or that they would compromise or that they would come to the table at some point. They were never going to argue or debate in good faith, and they still aren't. Mm -hmm. They're just not. And so I guess my last question for y'all for this segment is, knowing that, what do we do next? What do we do now? What do we do in this year of this long tail of whatever the hell it is? I mean, I think it's important to crystallize the lessons, <laughs> you know, yeah. to come together and talk yeah. about what we're no- we're a little bit late, but there is value in it and sharing. Like Sarah Schulman, a you know, a historian and critic who we love, she tweeted, and this is about Kevin McCarthy, but I think it does apply internationally. The traditional money-hungry, greedy Republicans building up the fascist Republicans, like Marjorie Taylor Greene, for example, mm-hmm. thinking they can control them. History shows that this ploy never 
works, right? And so I think it's really important now at every level of government, and I mean, I mean, down to your local city council. Oh yeah, you know school what I mean? board, all of it. Who are the chaos agents that you have unwittingly or wittingly invited in to your table? You know what I mean? And like, what can you do now to get rid of them? You know what I mean? Because that's that was what was so interesting watching Kevin McCarthy endure those 15 humiliating votes. It was like, baby, you had eight plus years yeah. to get rid of a lot of these people. And a lot yes. of people were saying, stop trying to work with them. You're not going to be able to control them. This is They're going not gonna to get change. out of hand. They're not going to change. Yeah, mm-hmm. Zach. I think we're going to face a lot of chaos. And yeah. whenever I see myself confronted with chaos or things I can't understand, I always return to the late, great Toni Morrison and the bluest eye where she okay. writes in the foreword, when why becomes too much to bear, take refuge in how. Mm. And I think... When you look at these events, like how are these writers storming the Brazil capital? How is this similar? How, like how can be a really great space to meditate on all of this stuff? Because you look at the structure and the process of the chaos, it helps you figure out like that it's not just happening. There isn't some like God stepping in and making this happen. It is a reaction. It is that energy side's talking about that builds on each other. And then in that yeah. space, you can find some logic that helps you go to bed at night at least. Yeah. Hopefully. And also don't look away. Yeah. You got to keep your eyes on this stuff. Kevin McCarthy, Donald Trump, Marjorie Bolsonaro, we're watching you. George Santos, baby. (laughs) We're watching you. We are watching you. I got my eyes on you. All right, time for a break. When we come back, another evil dictator. Her name is Megan. Much more entertaining, though. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, listeners. Sam Sanders here. If you know my face, you know I shave it a lot. I shave the head because I'm bald. I shave the cheeks because I got a mustache right now. And one thing that helps me keep this beautiful brown skin nice and smooth are Bevel shaving products. Bevel, B-E-V-E-L. It's a wonderful black-owned business. And if you are looking to discover your own black-owned and founded brand to become obsessed with, shop Ulta Beauty. Ulta Beauty is celebrating black-owned and founded brands this month and every month. Ulta Beauty has you covered with all your beauty needs, from skin and body care to hair care, makeup, and much, much more. You can shop black-owned and founded brands like Butter Skin, Black Girl Sunscreen, Pound Cake, Pat McGrath Labs, Donna's Recipe, Urban Hydration, and so many more soon-to-be favorites. Discover the powerful ingredients the efficacy, and the artistry of these black-owned and founded brands. Ulta Beauty sees and celebrates people creating joy for themselves and others through beauty, embracing their individuality through makeup, and taking pride in every pattern. Discover the joy of black beauty with Ulta Beauty. Head to your local Ulta Beauty store or Ulta.com right now to shop your fave black-owned and founded brands. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. There's over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. There are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Get started today and get after your goals. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. 
And for me, I have use factor for years from when I was hosting morning television to traveling all the time now as a producer. I love knowing that food is getting delivered to my door that is fresh and ready to go so that I can always be ready to go as well. So head to factormeals.com slash vibecheck50 and use code vibecheck50 to get 50% off. That's code vibecheck50 at factormeals.com slash vibecheck50 to get 50% off. We are back and we are going to talk about my favorite topic this week, which is the big blockbuster cinematic masterpiece that is a movie called Megan. Megan with a three in it, by the way. I've been calling it M3 again. My dog. I was about to say. M3 M Squaregan. It is an acronym in the movie, which we'll find out why. As of this morning, Universal has already greenlit sequels because it's oh, so well. You it know, has. you know they have. I mean, it was one of those movies. I'm surprised that it just came out this week. I thought it came out like two months ago. Well, I we've like been I watching was... this dancing doll since last year. Uh-huh. Last year I'm going to call it the Matilda effect because the same thing happened with the Matilda movie is <laughs> that dance scene. Just like, yeah. I thought we were in it. Where is it? Yeah, Where can nope. I watch it? Before we talk about it, Zach, tell folks what this movie is and what it's yes. about. So yes. if you don't know what we're talking about, that probably means you are straight. And I'm sorry. (laughs) Or over um, 45. Or both. Over 45 and straight. (laughs) Hi, mom. So so for all of you, this is uh, an explainer of what Megan actually is. So Megan is a new horror comedy film that was released by Universal. Universal is who has brought you in the past six months Puss in Boots. You know, um, it brought you Bros, RIP to that movie, and a few others. And it has become their breakout hit by making over $30 million in the first weekend, which is 30% higher than they expected. And the movie only cost $12 million to make. So that is why Universal has greenlit sequels because this baby is making cash. And that 30 was just in the US. It was a larger growth globally. Yeah. Yeah. Just domestic. So an overview of the movie is Megan is a marvel of artificial intelligence. She is a lifelike doll that's programmed to be a child's greatest companion. And she is designed by the one and only Marnie Michaels. I'm sorry, Allison Williams. <laughs> oh. you, you meant to do that. You God, meant to you do are that. such a... You are. And I hate that you're being vindicated because I feel I, like the girls' discourse is having like a positive resurgence. And I'm resurgence. like... Zach Lena's has been planting back. the seeds of this for months. <laughs> Lena is back. Allison's back. It's all happening. And we're about to see girls have grown up and now they're women. And one woman became a robotic a scientist and became a horror queen. You know, Allison Williams famously was in Get Out, right. which was a huge success and launched Jordan Peele as a director. He was already very famous before, but now he's become, you know, one of the leaders in film uh, due to that movie. And it's because Alison Williams reimagined herself as the scream queen that we did not see coming. So in this movie, she is a robotic scientist. She builds Megan for her niece after her sister dies. And what happens next is the most beautiful campy film where a doll is overprotective of a little girl and decides to kill anything that stands in its way, including a neighbor's dog. Yes. What I loved about this movie, I watched it last night with our friend Brandon Sharp. And one, it was the most fun I've had in a movie theater since that latest Minions film. Mm -hmm. Like, so campy and good. But also, it was incredibly derivative, but that was okay. Like, the final 10 minutes, you just feel like you're watching an updated version of Child's Play. But I loved it. I think, like, very Chucky energy. And this movie did a very 
smart thing where it seemed immediately familiar, but also brand new at the same mm-hmm. time. This trope is not new, but it's the first time I've seen a four foot tall, blonde headed baby doll popping and locking in TikTok videos for three months before the film came out. So smart. I just think it, this movie was incredibly smart. And I think it's like, you know, there's a narrative around it that it's campy, it's dumb, it's stupid. Uh-uh, baby. It's campy on purpose. It's dumb on purpose. Mm-hmm. I think it was really smart. Even just the yeah. marketing of this film. It was so smart. I mean, I feel like, you know, a lot of like the Freddy Krueger movies, which I think, you know, are like kind of seminal when we think of this genre, are high camp. They're yeah. very, very campy. It's very yeah. cheesy. But that's kind of, I don't know. I, I, I Horror movies have been doing great really all, all they year. They, I, I think they were yeah. some of the most successful films of 2022. And it's like everyone's talking about like, no one's going to the movie theaters. No one's going to see this. But they're consistently going to see horror films. And, mm-hmm. and, and I think, it, I guess the question is why? I mean, I, I have some thoughts, but what do you think? Well, one of the big questions in the rise of streaming and this ability to watch whatever you want, whenever you want, wherever Mm -hmm. you want, what are the things that will still get you out of your house to experience? To make it worth it. To make it worth it. You can watch a rom-com at home. Mm -hmm. Your TV screens are big enough now. You can even watch an action film sometimes at home. But you know what you always want to experience around other people? Being scared. Right. A horror movie. You want yeah. the experience of cowering in that seat and hearing someone else two seats down doing the same. Mm-hmm. When I was at the theater last night watching that movie, Megan, I loved knowing that everyone around me was also kind of freaking out and laughing at the same time as well. Mm-hmm. That is something that horror can do consistently and reliably that no other genre can. And I think that helps explain yeah. Why horror as a genre over all of the shifts in the media industry of the last decade has survived and prospered. And I I love that you said that because it plays into something I was listening to this morning, which was from Franklin Leonard. Love Franklin. We all made the blacklist. Made the blacklist. Black kind of leader in Hollywood, brilliant guy. But the blacklist is a resource, a guide. It's so much. But every year they release the blacklist, which is the list of the most exciting screenplays from writers you may not have heard of, and it's really incredible. And they just released their list this year, which the number one screenplay was a horror film. There you go. The reason why he argues horror is doing so well, and I need to cite him for this because it's brilliant, is that he argues on the podcast The Town, which is brought to you by The Ringer on Spotify, he says that horror is global. Everyone can relate to that idea. Mm -hmm. And I'm adding to his his language here, but you know, he's right. You see a monster, that translates across every geography, every place. You know to be scared, you know to run for your life, all these things. Comedy, however, is super site-specific. What is funny to you and I here in LA or New York or Columbus is very different than what is funny in, you know, Rio de Janeiro. And mm-hmm. so that's where comedy cannot participate in what Sam's talking about, this global ecosystem. You know, you can't release bros and it makes sense to people in Saudi Arabia like it does to people in West Hollywood. But you release Megan and everyone's kind of like, it is kind of ridiculous that this doll is killing you and I'm scared of it, but I'm also going to laugh at it when it breaks out into singing Sia's, you know, titanium or whatever. And <laughs> Let that me tell is you, universal it thing. was That's wild. Incredible. So just to take a second to like lay out the facts with this, the folks over at The Ringer did a really good taxonomy of all the horror and scary mm-hmm. films that have done Ooh. remarkably well this year. Nope. Smile. The Black Phone. The Menu. Violent Night. Pray for the Devil. Pearl, X, all of these movies did several times their budget Mm -hmm. and surpassed expectations consistently. I got to say, I do love it. Do y'all ever get tired of horror? I never do. 
I'm a scaredy cat. And and also I think, you know, particularly like when we were in college, like horror at the time was kind of defined by torture, like Mm -hmm. torture porn, like the Saw movies. movies. That that. really kind of put me on. Like, I'm not trying to watch like that, but I don't know, like films, like, you know, a few years ago, like I think The Babadook, which again, Mm -hmm. you know, is kind of connected to grief, which it also seems like Megan does as well. Um, There's been a lot of recent movies. I also think like to, to the point that you were going to, Zach, with like the themes and why it's relatable, you know, if we think of action movies or the big epic adventures, really in terms of why should you come to the theater and see it, really all they ultimately have to offer is awe. We're going mm-hmm. to awe. So you're going to see things on the big screen and it's going to blow your mind. And, and you're right, Sam, in the last few years with technology, it's like I'm playing video games on my PlayStation 4 that are go. providing more awe than the last five Marvel movies I've seen yep. or whatever. But the emotional catharsis that yeah. horror, particularly in a theater, right? When you're with other people, generally you're not on your phone. You're not constantly hitting pause to go, you know, mess with something in your kitchen. You know, you're just sitting in it as a group of people. That is a very specific easy to access experience and I think we just got a lot in us and it's funny to think of another movie with Allison Williams I saw Get Out at the Magic Johnson Theater in Harlem oh that sounds <laughs> like an experience baby it was like ah. seemingly all black people in the movie theater and I think it's been long enough that I can like spoil this detail at the very end when it comes down to the main character versus Allison Williams character who was terrifying was like a yeah. very very specific kind of scary I'll never forget an old black woman sitting like several rows like towards the back of the theater just screamed kill that white bitch <laughs> like, it was, I was like, oh and it was like the shock of someone saying something so what but also like well I in mean, that moment watching yeah. the theater we were all thinking it or when you know you see the cop sirens mm-hmm. and then you realize it's his tsa friend you know the relief of like oh we think it's going to be the police pulling up to a black man covered in blood and instead you know yeah. it's a black friend to save yeah. the day and you could just feel the catharsis throughout the theater like everyone you know that sigh of relief and you just i don't know that's very specific it's not going to be the same at home and i just think the other genres are kind of hard pressed to create a similar intensity yeah well and like what i love is that we're just going to keep seeing more of it when you look at the scary movies coming up this upcoming year we got that weird horror version of Winnie the Pooh called Blood and Honey. Yes. I, I was literally... <laughs> like, I cannot wait. We I mean, it's cocaine. a great title. Blood and Honey yes. is a good title. We have Cocaine that. Bear. We have the uh-huh. new Scream movie. It's going to keep coming, and I love it. I, I actually watched the trailer for the new Scream before Megan came on last night in the theater, and I'm just like, keep it coming. Keep it okay. coming. The Winnie the Pooh thing has really shaken me because I didn't realize <laughs> that was real. I thought it was a joke, and then I saw the trailer, and it's very much real and coming out. But what we're seeing happen and what Winnie the Pooh kind of shows us is it is a good movie these days needs to do a few things and horror is able to do all of it at once. It gives you nostalgia. So it gives you yeah. a form. And that's what David Chang, you know, in this article I always cite, oh, the, right. the theory of deliciousness mm-hmm. is that anything good has to have that nostalgic loop in your brain. It should take mm-hmm. you back to somewhere and take you forward at the same time. It also has to do a few things at once. And this is where comedy is actually really great, is that like comedy is a great relief within a really tense moment. So you're seeing a lot of these movies, you know, 
Megan uses comedy to kind of make you like take a breath for a second. And that's mm-hmm. where like comedy is going to have to go. Comedy can't just be, you know, slapstick American pie anymore. That's not bringing people to the theaters. It has to be a lot of feelings at once. We need to be on a ride. And I think that's great. But I think like you get this comedy, you get horror, you get nostalgia. It's going to be a good film. And that's what the studios are running with. And I think that's also setting the stage for something we haven't talked about. And this ties back to Saeed Jones mm-hmm. is that there will be in the coming years a Barney movie that is a horror <laughs> film because Daniel Kaluuya <laughs> is making it. <laughs> of course he is. Of course he is. I, I don't know. I guess yeah. what it is, is like horror movies always guarantee that you will have an experience mm-hmm. in the movie theater. And a reliable and what experience. It is. Uh-huh. Like other genres are just like, it's a good movie. You should go, it's like, okay, that's great. We can say good. Anywhere. But it's like, you're going to have an experience, right? Yes. Yeah. That's well, why like, you show up. Even last night watching Megan, I did the thing I always do in every horror movie where at some point I say to the white woman on screen, don't open that door. (laughs) And you know what? It felt so good to say it. It felt so good to say it. I will never not want to watch a movie in which I can tell someone on screen to not open the door. Yeah. And you feel comfortable like yelling out the call and response. It is is the closest thing we have to secular church. A good yeah, horror movie in a good theater. And I would say horror has been the one genre that has successfully allowed every black person and white person to understand racism on screen. Because we all grew up, if you were over 21 years old, you grew up in a world where it was very typical that the black person always died first. It went mm-hmm. black person dead, then virgin. And that for me was the first way in which I understood how racism and representation played out. That black go. people literally were not given a voice. And you know that's why Jordan Peele is so celebrated because yeah. he gave us a voice. And speaking of black, people. Guess who wrote Megan? A black woman. Kila Come on, yes. baby. Kila Cooper. Yes. If that doesn't make all y'all listening want to go see this movie, I don't know what will. If you can hear the sound of my voice right now, I decree that you must go to the theater and, and look, go watch and take Megan. a friend because that's also yes. part, it's part of the like the jumping together, grabbing your friend's thigh, oh, yeah. like all of that. Oh, you I want that. Okay. It's so good. So good. Cheers we'll to go Megan. see Megan. Report back. Tweet at us. We'd love to talk about it with you. And with that, we're going to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere because we're going to be right back with our recommendations. Hey, HBCU fam, get ready to turn up the energy. McDonald's and the Thurgood Marshall College Fund have $1 million in scholarships at 53 HBCUs for 66 brilliant students. This year, you could be one of them, but time is running out. Did we mention the $1 million in scholarships? Apply by March 27th at tmcf.org. Hey there, listeners. You know, as a black man working in media for over a decade, I still think about the times when I was a kid and I got to watch media as a consumer and the people that really inspired me. People like Oprah Winfrey and her talk show I watched every day after school or shows like RuPaul's talk show, which I snuck behind my parents' back to watch in the 90s. All of these black people on television shaped me and led me on my own path to become the person I am today and have the career I have today. So if you are looking for the next generation of influential black voices, you can find those on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. 
Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. As you'll know, Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. It's NPR Noir. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. All right, my loves, we are back. And of course, before we end every show, we like to share something that's helping us keep our vibe right or perhaps throwing us off (laughs) this week. Because, you know, sometimes being thrown off is also clarifying. You know what I mean? So let's get started with Sam. I am so excited to hear you talk about this. So we were talking about this while we were in Mexico over the holidays. On January 1st, Rolling Stone released a list of what it called the 200 greatest singers of all time. I hate lists like this inherently, but this one probably took the cake. I won't even go into all the ways they got it wrong, but I will say the biggest error, the biggest sin in Rolling Stone's list of the greatest singers of all time, they kept off our Canadian queen, Celine Dion. A betrayal of the highest order. What you talking about? How did they do that? Now, come on now. So, you know, the internet hated this list. Rolling Stone had to go above and beyond to explain their rationale for making this list the way they did. But I want to use this moment in time to not rail against this list, but just tell everyone to go take a moment and re-familiarize yourself with everything Celine Dion has ever done Mm -hmm. because she's an icon, she's a legend, and she is the moment. And what makes it worse is that Rolling Stone, and I love a lot of the people at Rolling Stone. We know the people over there. We love them. Great. Now I got shit to do with it. It's a bad list. It's a bad (laughs) list. And it was also, what I found really galling was that they were like, well, we also left her out in 2018. Like, they were like, we've done it before. Yeah, so this is what I was going to ask because I haven't been, like, checking for updates. I know they did one, like, run-on sentence kind of justification Mm -hmm. tweet that didn't... Did they ever say this is why Celine Dion did not make the list? They're, like, standing strong behind it. It's kind of hard to defend. They're kind of like... And I get it. I don't respect it, but I get, like, Noah Shackman's the editor-in-chief there. He is the ex-Daily Beast editor-in-chief. He is a news guy. I've known him from, like, incredible reporting on the state and government. I I do like their reporting. I like the has gotten so good under Noah mm-hmm. and I know why they're not backing down because they're like we said what we said and we're going to stand behind yeah. it but this new cycle isn't ending there were protesters just days ago yeah which I'm like girl which is like that kind of wild cold. and also what we're not talking about Celine Dion can't even sing right now she just got diagnosed well, with but that's, syndrome yeah, yeah. I think that's, that's also sad. part of why people were like kind of really upset it just felt like a mean book also the list had and I, you know I love Ariana Grande I really do love her music and I feel Ariana Grande would agree with me putting Ariana Grande on this list of greatest singers, spots and spots ahead of Ella Fitzgerald. Yeah. Yikes. <laughs> I love them both. They had Beyonce ahead of Prince. I yeah. think Beyonce would be like, don't do that. I think Beyonce don't would be like, let's, let's, let's yeah. chill down. Let's also, chill. they have Brandy at the very end. Come yeah. on now. Like, it's She's the vocal Bible. Anywho, yeah. all this to say, I'm not about anger here. I, I, I'm about love. <laughs> and so my recommendation <laughs> is a not too well-known Celine Dion song called okay. Imperfections. I got my own 
It's off her 2019 album, Courage. And it's a softer, gentler, boppy kind of R&B side to the diva. All of her songs are good, but Imperfections will show you a nice, smooth side of Celine that you deserve to hear. Also, that said, put some respect on her name. Put, put some, some respect, respect on, her, on name. her name. That's all I got. Yeah. I like that. Um, Zach, what about you? Let's get to your vibe um, right this week in my uh, I think week of white women behaving badly because Megan is a white woman behaving badly I think if you like Megan you should watch the show Bad Sisters on Apple TV it so is so good you, I will say you are the second person that's right it is I'm so, so shocked that it has taken this long for people to talk about it because it is wonderful it's about a group of sisters called the Garvey sisters living in Ireland and um, they are united and very close because their parents died when they were young and kind of taking care of each other and actually episode one is that one sister's husband is dead and you know the sisters killed him and you spend the whole season trying to figure out how exactly they killed him and it is a dark comedy of the highest degree it is wonderful it is a great time and it's beautifully shot and it also proves this rumor I had heard that Apple their big request for all their shows is that there always has to be Apple products in any scene where there's technology really? and where I noticed it was these oh, young kids who don't come from a wealthy family in the show are all wearing the AirPod Maxes which are 600 bucks <laughs> and they're just throwing them around like rich kids and I was like girl that's that's Apple yeah. doing this that's not yeah. real so <laughs> yeah does Apple let characters use the Apple products when they're doing bad things because that's often been an issue no, like, yeah, in the original something... Knives Out movie yeah. it's a kind of oh. a tell that a, one specific character is using an huh. Android not an yeah. Apple that's I think wild. there is a lot of oversight Tim Cook is very particular about how Apple shows up but um, it does feel like uh, they probably would use Androids to do bad things so that you definitely look at the technology of all mm-hmm. the Apple shows because it does tell a story mm-hmm. but the show is wonderful Okay, AirPod Maxes or not I loved it I loved the show as well. Made my Aunt Betty watch the whole thing. She enjoyed it too. The twist got me at the end. Loved it all. (laughs) What I want from Bad Sisters, and I know it is a fictitious show, I want Andy Cohen to have a reunion special with all the sisters from Like in character? Yes. If you love Real Housewives, you will will love this. This is kind of your elevated. Like you've gone to PhD in pop culture. The show is it. So there you go. Saeed. My vibe for the week is a perfume. I decided to change it up. Yeah. Um, while we were in Mexico City, and, and Zach, you went a couple of days before, but yeah. Zach went to this perfume place called Zinu, X-I-N-U. You can go to their website. It's xinu.mx because you're going to want to get this perfume, girlies. And you can get it in the United States as well as Mexico. It is just a wonderful artisanal perfume brand. And I was like, okay, whatever. But I, a couple of days later, I went with my friend Cortez And wow, (laughs) what an experience. It's a beautiful space. And basically there there are gardens on both sides of the space with, you know, plants that figure into the perfumes. They do like five cents, I guess, a season or whatever. But you can like see all the ingredients. They let you smell it, both how it smells when you first spray it. And then like a few hours later, and it's just really beautiful. And I don't know if y'all remember, Zach recently told people like, if you get something nice, save it. And open it like on a random day. So I just before we recorded, I opened my Ordo Nardo perfume and spray. And I feel like a spring goddess. I feel yes. like a, a sprite running yeah. through the trees. It's so beautiful. I am mm. regretting not buying some cologne yeah. while I was there. Everything yeah. smelled so nice. But they had this wonderful scent that was made with like Monstera. Yes. That's what I have. know could be in that's a- It's, it's on have. the website. It's on the website and you can get it. Even the bottle, once you're mm-hmm. done with the cologne, 
you can use it as like an incense holder or right. a small vase. So this part's it's like the incense great. holder. Yeah. And yeah. even the bottle itself is designed to be reusable. They were like, you can yeah. put other scents in it. And mine is like all the flowers. Because, you know, I think it's just like really great to have a scent that reminds me of a wonderful time, mm-hmm. a wonderful trip with my friends. And we were able to go to so many beautiful restaurants, like Britannico was one of the mm-hmm. first restaurants we yeah. had dinner at. It's like those dinners where you like are sitting in basically a garden mm-hmm. and you just smell the greenness. That's what this perfume smells like. Yeah. So I'm going to think of y'all. And I love that you recommended that. Beyond, like, it was, like, a wonderful trip and the place and the designers, you knew it was so chic and wonderful. Mm -hmm. Smell is the perfect way to encapsulate memory forever. Yeah. If you're like me or other people, like, you can't always remember every little thing. If you attach smell to it, your brain gets a little shortcut. So when you're on a trip, if it's going really well, or you have a special moment, get a special perfume, get a special smell, and kind of use that to store the memory. And that's what my Monstera cologne does for me. Because that's what you got from Zinni. Yeah, that's what I got from there, too. So whenever I, I wear it now, I think of our trip there. So it's a little it. shortcut for all of you to do. Get a scent when you're on a trip. They're very good. Go to the website. You can learn more. But also everything was very, they're very thoughtful. So like even like the wooden top is like a type of chestnut. And they were like, we plant 12 chestnut trees wow. forever. You know, like everything was very thought out. So I think if, you know, you understandably want to be very thoughtful about like how you are interacting with an ecosystem, they got you, girl. They got you. Well, friends, what are y'all feeling or not feeling this week? Because I feel like Rolling Stone was like genius. They released the list on January 1st. That's when the no word one, for it. Well, because it was like no one had anything to do. You know what I mean? So it was like yeah. the perfect time to do something messy that mm-hmm. they knew would get people talking, which I'm sure is the mm-hmm. point. So if you have opinions on that, we want to know. We want to know. know. But what's your vibe? How are you feeling? How's your maybe doing? How's your maybe doing? Check in with us at vibecheck at stitcher.com. Well, that's our show. And thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of Vibe Check. If you love the show and want to support us, please make sure to follow the show on your favorite podcast listening platform and do what we always say, which is tell a friend. Tell your mother, tell your brother, tell your friend, tell the person you may be helping clean up this rainfall here in LA. Testify, 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 testify. <laughs> Huge thank you to our producer, Chantel Holder, engineer, Brendan Burns, and Marcus Holm for our theme music and sound design. Special thanks to our executive producers, Nora Ritchie at Stitcher and Brandon Sharp from Agenda Management and Production. And last but not least, thank you to Jared O'Connell and Amelda Skinder for all of their help. And again, we love hearing from you. Don't forget, you can email us at vibecheckatstitcher.com and keep in touch with us on Instagram at The Ferocity, at Sam Sanders, and at Zach Staff. Use the hashtag vibecheckpod. Also, you can follow us on TikTok at vibecheckpod. Stay tuned for another episode next Wednesday. It's good to be back, honey. Bye. 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 Stitcher. Hey mom, first things first, thank you. It's my one year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, mom, Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
What's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? You know, I think some people maybe go for an extra workout, maybe take a nap. I love a nap. (laughs) I love reading a book. But of course, we all wish we had more time in our lives. The question is time for what? You know, if time's unlimited, how would you use it? I think therapy is actually something that can help us kind of hone our understanding of how we want to use our free time, not just how we can get the most of it, but really how can we show up in our lives? And I would say that if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. First of all, it's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule because everyone's schedule is different. You fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. It's very flexible. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash VibeCheck today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash VibeCheck. 